Sportsnet 960, the fan. Welcome back to the show. It is the big show. Matt Rose, Logan Gordon, George Russick off this week. We are live in the Doug Lacey's Basement System studio, our new studio sponsor. A true family-owned business. They specialize in foundation repairs serving Calgary and southern Alberta since 1992. We got a great second hour coming up for you. Uh, Nick Kiprios is going to join us just after 7.30. Talk a little bit about the NHL, little Leafs, little Flames. But right now, uh, we do go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk to our friend Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports. G'day, Charles. How's your Monday going so far? My Monday's going well. I trust the same for you guys, and I hope your weekends were good and um, yeah, just just pretty excited to get another week started here. You know what? Uh, the weekend was good because we got to, back on Saturday, the Flames played a rare matinee game, which they never do when they're at home, only when they go play teams on the East Coast. And that gave me an opportunity to do a little bit of day drinking with my pals, which I always like to do. I'm a big fan of day drinking. I don't know about you. Is that something that's right up your alley, maybe? You know what's up my alley mm. is the idea that they played a matinee. Yes. Because here I grew up on matinee baseball for yeah. playoffs in World Series. Mm-hmm. And then when Bowie Kuhn was the commissioner of baseball and the TV money rolled in and they said you got to move everything tonight, he naturally took it. And this isn't a, a shot at him or a complaint. Like, I don't know anyone who would say no, right? You're trying to advance your sport. You make more money. You're going to take the, the, the deal. My argument is only simply nostalgia. And baseball goes so long mm-hmm. that you were talking about a World Series we're playing in November, which is, to me, one of the absolute stupidest things mm-hmm. ever in sports. Baseball in November you know, you're, if you don't have the climate-controlled domes, even even if you have yeah. it, it's just a bad idea, in my opinion. You should finish it in October and call it a day, all right? Somewhere around October 1st, preferably. But there's no way that's going to happen with the, the length of the season, et cetera. But my fondest memories are afternoon baseball. Bucky Dent hit the home run in an afternoon game, and it was the one-game playoff. Mm-hmm. Roberto Clemente's incredible series for Pittsburgh against Baltimore in 71. I hear Kirk Gowdy's voice in the afternoon, and they're playing a Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. And by that point, it's a football-baseball combo stadium. Yeah. So you can see the football field outline while Clemente's hitting 414 in the series. You know, those are the things I remember, and that's what I like. And it's kind of fun when you have that because the game's over and you start the evening. You know, it's almost like living on the West Coast here in the United States. You know, you, you, everything finishes, and guess what? You still have time to do other things. You know, I wonder if it's kind of a, a bit of an American thing, too, because you mentioned the baseball, like obviously football. You've got the early window. That is a, a prime time spot for kind of getting out, enjoying your matinee, and having the rest of your evening, too. I wonder if that's just something more or less. Like down in the States, it's almost ingrained with it. All the sports can kind of go during the day. Maybe not basketball and hockey, but really football and baseball are kind of one and two. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. And then, you know, the basketball can go in the afternoons, Mm. but that's really more of a weekend. You know, if you get the weekend, you can have, you know, your noon start, your one start, or on holidays, because Christmas Day for a long time here was seeded to basketball. The NBA, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the NBA just just absorbed that whole window and started put, you know, 
noon tip-off. They would have a doubleheader when it started. Then they said, you know, we can add in a West Coast game. And there's a triple header. Now there's like five or six games. It's like the entire day. And they were feeling very good about themselves. And then the NFL just couldn't help itself. <laughs> and just said, you know, let us, let us remind you that we, we run stuff. And now there's a triple header of NFL football against the basketball. What do you think happened to those NBA ratings? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, dropped slightly, I would argue. Yeah. yeah, slightly would be a very nice way of putting thudded. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, a lawyer twist on it for you. Uh, Charles Davis yeah. from CBS Sports joining us here. Uh, we'll talk about the matinee football coming up on Thursday in just a moment here. But let's start with last weekend or yesterday's games. Um, you had the call of the Eagles and the Colts. And one game that I think was a lot closer than a lot of Eagles fans would have liked and really a lot of general NFL fans would have expected. What did you see from the Eagles that led to their struggles and having to really scrape out that win against Indy? Well, not to just, you know, get really trite here, but I'm going to say something that is really a part of NFL football, whether people want to admit it or not. A colleague of mine said it to me on the way to the airport after the game. He said, once more, we're reminded that this is NFL football. It's messy on the road. doesn't matter what your record is. Mm. Okay? And and for the most part, that is true. You know, obviously Dallas went on the road yesterday and just blasted Minnesota. So so you do have those that that go outside that, the outliers. But think about the games for the most part. They're going to get into the fourth quarter. You're going to have some type of, some sort of tightness for the most part. You're going to have that. And this is a Colts team that people keep forgetting. And, I'm again, not pointing a shot. I'm reminding myself a little bit. Preseason, a good number of us so-called pundits, in this case, I actually took Tennessee to win the AFC South, mm. but a decent number of people, and rightly so, said Indianapolis was going to win the division. So it wasn't like we went into the season with a bad roster or, God, you know, this is a major surprise. No, this is a good football team that just hasn't quite found its way this year for many, many different reasons. And they got a brand-new head coach. They played hard for him last week. They played hard for him this week. They got out and got back to their identity, which is running the football, and had a great chance to win it. Look, it's 13-3 deep into the third quarter. Out near midfield, Indianapolis has the ball. And I opined at that point, that game's there for the taking for Indianapolis. Here's your opportunity. They didn't seize it. Philadelphia shut them down, got it done. Philadelphia's going through that time now where everything now is circled when you play Philadelphia. They are now that hunted team. And you're going to get everyone's best shot and then some. And if everything doesn't go perfectly, that's okay. You just have to find your way through a sticky time. And I thought yesterday's win was really a great one for Philadelphia because they could have very easily let that one go as well. And then the whole week, everybody be talking about what happened to the Eagles, what's going on with the Eagles. Yeah, they still have some stuff to work on. But you guys know it's a whole lot easier, a whole lot more fun to work on your stuff after a win than it is when you have to answer questions about a loss. How much do you think it – or when in the season does it change? When did the Eagles become that team that were circled on everybody's calendar and from then on out, like, you just got to expect that no matter who you're playing, whether it's a a 1-5 in team, whether you're playing a team well over 500, you're going to get their absolute best? I think somewhere around when they beat Dallas. Wasn't that a – I believe it was a Sunday night game? Yeah, it was a primetime game. Monday night game, right, in Philadelphia. 
Dallas was good, even though Cooper Rush was playing. The Cooper Rush experience was really in full swing, right? The Cowboys are still the Cowboys. They get everyone's attention. It doesn't matter where they are. And actually, they are good. So it's not one of those things where it's just a star on the helmet. They are really good. This is your prime contender in the East. At that point, the Giants were a wonderful story, but people still, you know, it's hard for me to buy it because they've been so bad for so long. You know what I'm saying? No one's buying Washington, no matter what kind of a run they're on. And that became the game. And when they beat them at home then, I think that's when everything really flipped. Look, they were a playoff team last year. But Philadelphia was much more of a fun story playoff team last year as opposed to being, wow, Philadelphia. Does that make sense? Because, you know, they kind of snuck their mm-hmm. way in. You know, you look up and all of a sudden they're dying. What, they're in the playoffs? Yeah, they're in. And they got beaten the first round and blah, 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 blah. But this year, start out strong. You know, as it turned out, Minnesota in week two turned out to be a bigger win than we knew because I don't think we knew Minnesota would get off to the start they got off to. And so I think that's when it became, oh, Philadelphia's for real. Guess what? We got to go get the Eagles. And now they're absorbing those shots. That would have been week six when they were able to uh, beat the Cowboys 26-17 to 17 on Sunday night football. Uh, Logan Gordon also here on the big show this morning. Uh, Charles, great to talk to you, man. I'm just curious uh, what you've seen out of uh, Jeff Saturday and the Colts since he took over as their new head coach. You know, Logan, what I've seen is I, I thought this in the beginning and I actually asked Jeff point blank. I said, look, my theory is when you take over a team coming off of it, coming out of the TV studios and not having coach and to create the firestorm here in the league, because we haven't done something like this since literally 1961, where a person takes over an NFL team with no experience coaching, quote unquote, on the college and pro level. Your high school coaching experience does not count into that. No one discounts high school coaching experience, but you also get zero points for it, right? When you talk about the NFL. So we haven't done this in a long time. So that created a major, major deal. And a lot of people were saying, how's he going to do the locker room? Yeah, he's a former player, but a lot of these guys, they don't know him, blah, blah, blah. And my opinion was the locker room was going to be fairly easy. And what I mean by that, Logan, is these guys got to play for a job somewhere next year, even if they're not going to be in Philadelphia. I mean, in Indianapolis, right? So everything you do, you've got to put on tape so that someone wants you next year. So you better go out and play hard. Doesn't matter who's coaching, what's going on. You may hate the decision, but if you want a job next year, as we say on the uh, on tape, the eye in the sky does not lie. And people watch it and evaluate you. I thought the coaching staff was the bigger get because two former head coaches in the league were on staff. They didn't get the interim job. Reggie Wayne former wide receiver who will be a Hall of Fame player on staff, didn't get the job. See where I'm going with this? Yeah. Now you've got a bunch of coaches going, hold it a minute. We've been here. We've been grinding. We've been doing it. You're going to bring this guy in from the outside who hasn't been. Well, guess what? The coaching staff came along with him. He grabbed them early. They believed in, in what he was saying, and they also understood their jobs are on the line too. Let's support this guy and see if we can put this thing in the right direction. I've seen that from them. They may have lost on Sunday, but they didn't lose because these guys aren't playing for Jeff Saturday. They didn't lose because these guys aren't coaching for Jeff Saturday. They're just not good enough and when they, and lost their chance to close out a win in, in this game, as I mentioned, in the third quarter. And they're going to fight hard. They're going to play hard. 
I don't know they have enough talent, quote-unquote, to get it done because if they're not playing from the front and running the ball, Logan, them throwing the ball is not a great thing, meaning consistently 40, 50 times a game. That's not who they are. They don't have the wide receiver core for it. They have big, strong, physical guys, but they don't have those breakers, and that's where things get different. But as far as the team, the atmosphere, the mood, we may not like – People may not like how Jeff Saturday got the job and all that will shake itself out. Mm -hmm. But him having the job is not a farce. This team is actually playing, producing, you know, in a lot of ways, trying their best to justify his hire. So I've got to give them credit for that because I I was there at practice. I was around. Atmosphere is very good around that team. It's interesting to hear. And, yeah, I think you made a great point about the coaching staff being the the harder sell for Jeff Saturday. And that's – it's an interesting one, and it'll be one to watch as the season goes on and we get past that you know, interim tag and whether or not he becomes the full-time head coach heading into next season. Uh, I wanted to switch things up with you and talk a little bit about the L.A. Rams, a disappointing loss for them last night yeah. uh, against the New Orleans Saints. They're now 3-7 and seven on the year, fourth in the NFC West. I'm not sure if, if you saw this coming or if anybody saw this coming off of that Super Bowl win for the Rams last season. It's been a real disappointing year for them so far. I agree. And one more thing on Jeff Saturday before I get back to the yes, Rams. Yes, please. This, this, this deal, I'm just going to tell you now, we can bookmark and we can do whatever. I will be stunned if Jeff Saturday is not the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts in 2023. He's got to go through the interview process. They have the Rooney rule. They have all yeah. the things that they have to do to fulfill. He's getting NFL experience right now, so they'll be able to check that box off. When he goes for the interviews, Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, told us at the press conference, he told the world, Jeff Saturday is our interim coach and we hope for longer. This thing's done. I mean, yeah. who are we kidding? If Jeff wants to coach this team, he's going to be there. And by the way, I think when it's all said and done at the end of the year, he will have shown excellent acumen, a team that played hard for him, and he will present an excellent resume that would be hard to knock out of the box when they decide to make their final choice. But he is going to be the head coach unless he chooses not to. Now, back to the Rams. I don't know if any of us saw it coming, Logan. I really don't. I'm waiting. To, and if you guys have seen this, please let me know because I missed it. If you've seen any articles, seen any of us pundits say from the beginning, hey, Rams are going to struggle because their offseason has been a mess. Because I'm now looking back, where they say hindsight is 2020 vision. (laughs) That's where I am right now. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, this is what I'm saying. And I didn't give it credence. I didn't give it, you know, full, full thought process. I didn't say this is going to be an issue. So I'm not playing revisionist history and all of a sudden going, yeah, I saw this. I didn't. Let's make sure that's on the table. I'm not all of a sudden, you know, prescient. (laughs) I, I knew it from the, I did not. But in hindsight, this is what I'm saying. Sean McVay wins the Super Bowl as a head coach. What was most of his offseason? Flirting with TV networks about being an analyst and offering him $20 million to come into the booth. Mm -hmm. You have to listen. Smart move. But then it goes from this TV network to now Amazon's involved to this is involved, and it became a thing. Is he going to coach or isn't he? Aaron Donald, as we have found out, their their incredible defensive tackle, sent a letter to the NFL saying he was retiring. 
Yeah. And you know that old expression in any sport, if you're talking about retiring, you're likely retired. Mm-hmm. We didn't get back credence because he came back. Oh, I'm committed. I'm ready to go. I was like, yeah, he's ready to go. He'll be fine. Matthew Stafford's arm issues and elbow. Did I really spend more time? No, I kept thinking, eh, we probably made more of it than what it is. They'll nurse him to it. He'll be fine. Right? Offensive line, I knew it wasn't great. But I said, yeah, they tend to figure it out. They tend to know what they're doing. Well, it turned out to be that's where the depth killed them when they went with the L F those picks. <laughs> and those F those picks turned into a Super Bowl. <laughs> so no one should ever question that with Les Snead as a general manager. But going forward, your depth gets affected, and it got affected in the worst possible place trying to run offense for Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. My point being, there were signs out there for all of us. Please let me know if you guys ever have seen it, heard it, ahead of where we are now. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about ahead of it going, boy, they're going to really struggle because these guys are not focused in. That's my theory, is that the offseason had more to do with where we are now than we ever gave it credit going into the season. Whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but that's my theory. And just quickly to that point, Charles, did any of us really – Give enough credit to how much you know the underdog role played for all these guys. McVay and Donald had been to a a Super Bowl and lost it. Matt Stafford was just getting out of Detroit and was questioned whether he could be the guy. And then they finally answered a lot of those questions when they went out and won the Super Bowl. I wonder how yeah. hard it is for a team that doesn't have those same you know weight on their shoulders, that chip on their shoulder that we talk about all the time to go back and run it back the next year after you have proven a lot of people wrong. That's, I think it's a great thought. It really is. And let's take it very quickly. Matthew Stafford went from being one of the toughest guys, never getting credit for his play in Detroit because the team was bad around him, to winning a Super Bowl and doing a lot of different commercials, which are quite funny. I love them, okay? Mm-hmm. Especially his you know uh, phone commercials. Those are great. Sean McVay went from totally being out-coached, out-everything, preparation, everything, in a Super Bowl against Bill Belichick. And remember, Sean was the first one to talk about it, to finally getting that Super Bowl and winning it a couple seasons later. Congratulations to him, right? Aaron Donald, hey, want that ring. Remember the sack in in the NFC NFC Championship game in San Francisco where he pointed to his finger about a ring? Then in the Super Bowl, the sack to finish things off, or, or the big play to finish things off, where it was a near sack and caused the incompletion, pointed to the finger for the ring. Did the fire go a little bit? It's human nature. That's why it's so hard to to repeat. So I think your point is valid. Maybe there is some of that that's going on in there. They've just had a lot of things. Plus, they've had a ton of injuries again. And you guys know how it is. You're trying to repeat. You got key guys hurt, the whole deal. And one last thing. That team last year, Rallied from how far down to beat Tampa in one round? Terrific comeback, right? Should have been out at that point. Tampa should have closed about didn't. Give them credit. Joukowsky Tart, if he picks off that pass in the NFC Championship game that hits him right in the numbers, we're not talking about Matthew Stafford winning the Super Bowl. We're talking about Matthew Stafford making an errant throw, which he was prone to do, which was part of the deal. That doesn't happen. So it takes a lot to win a Super Bowl, and it takes a little element of things going your way. And it happens for all Super Bowl teams. So maybe, possibly, your theory has a, to me, your theory has, definitely has credence. Now, whether that's all of it, I don't know. But I do think there's a combo plate that's gone on there. 
and there's no way they're getting out of that hole this year. Uh, Charles, we'll end here. Monday Night Football wraps Week 11 with the 49ers and the Cardinals. Uh, reported a little bit earlier this morning that Colt McCoy appears set to start for the Cardinals for a second straight yeah. week. Um, any chance for the Cards in this one, and what could this win do for the 49ers if they get it? Yeah, this win, yeah, but this win for the 49ers could, could, could absolutely vault them back to being who, who we expect them to be because they're starting to get guys healthy again. And when fully healthy, that team is really, really good. I saw them in Carolina, and I saw them have more injuries and still be really, really good. So if that happens, we, we just go from there. Plus, Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> oh, boy, he unlocked a lot more in Kyle Shanahan's brain in terms of offense, and, boy, they're going to run a lot of stuff. Flip it over to the Cardinals. Colt McCoy will never be as talented as Kyler Murray. Just not going to happen. But last week, did you watch that Cardinals offense operate? There's a calmness to that to that operation. There was a sure-footedness to that operation. There was a veteran savvy and confidence in doing it. The key is how long can Colt McCoy do that because he's never been able to do it over an extended period of time. But in short bursts, he's very good for that. And I think that's a team that's had a lot of turmoil beginning with the offseason. His veteran leadership and assuredness I think are at a key time for this Cardinals team. So I give them a heck of a shot in this game. I still like San Francisco overall, Mm -hmm. but I think because of the short term and what they've needed, Cole McCoy is the right guy to run the team right now while Kyler Murray is hurt. Charles, always a pleasure. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving as well, and we'll chat next Monday. Thanks, Charles. Thank you so much. And and one quick favor. Yes. Kiprios, big fan right here. Yeah. All right. What a, what a career. Wow. We'll pass that along. We'll let him know. That's great. Wow. Big time. Take care, guys. Thanks, Charles. You, Charles. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Why wouldn't you be a fan of Kipper? The guy was a fun player to watch in his time. Absolutely. And uh, he'll join us around the corner. Nick Kiprios going to talk, uh, talk a little bit of uh, NHL around the corner. Some flames as well. That was... Uh, our man Charles Davis down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Alice Pizza and Sports Bar. 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Alice Pizza. 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Also, before we get to Nick, just wanted to mention this. Our NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. Sports Select has more sports leagues and for a limited time, better odds on over, under, and point spread. Build your ticket at Sports Select. Dot com And uh, every week we make our six big bets every Thursday. We usually have the Thursday night are involved, and then we'll go through uh, five other games throughout the course of the week. And uh, we could tell you that both George and Patty Dumas went three and three on their picks this weekend. Very respectable boys. And I went four and two. Not quite as good as Matt, though. So that moves me to, uh, I believe it's 24 and 18. Well, Patrick is 23 and 19, and George is 17 and 25, as uh, it hasn't been the best year for George. And we also had three head-to-heads this week, so pretty cool. So we all missed on the Thursday nighter. We got everything right in the Steelers-Bengals game. We went three for three in the Chargers-Chiefs game, and then we had three head-to-heads as well. Uh, Duma had the Bills minus 7.5. George had the Browns plus 7.5. That went to the Bills. We had Dumas picking the Eagles minus six and a half. George had the Colts plus six and a half. That one went to the Colts. And then me and George had a head-to-head. I had the Cowboys minus two. He had the Vikings plus two. And we all know how that one went. A little bit of a landslide. 
Uh, that's for our NFL. That best means bet. George was trying to make sure that they would score more than two points in the entire game. Is that what that bet meant? Because yeah, he was. He needed, that would have been more successful than plus two. That would have been more successful. Uh, NFL big bets, big bets, brought to you by Sports Select. Uh, we'll go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline again in just a moment to chat with uh, the man himself, Nick Caprios. Little Leafs, little Flames, little NHL. Sports at nine sixty. The fan. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the show. We're halfway there. This is the big show in the morning. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. My name is Matt Rose. Across from me today is the man himself, Logan Gordon. Howdy. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Enjoying a Flames victory over the Florida Panthers back on Saturday. Saturday. And uh, preparing for... Every Flames win is a Saturday, Matt. (laughs) And preparing for a game this evening against the Philadelphia Flyers. We love 5 o'clock starts here on the morning show. I bet we do. Boy, do we ever. Let's go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk to Nick Kiprios, a man who uh, knows many start times across uh, (laughs) the entire country, really. Uh, Nick, how are you today? Happy Monday, man. Good morning, guys. How are you? Oh, we're doing pretty good. No complaints here. Uh, let's start uh, with a little bit of the Calgary Flames because over the weekend they had a massive tilt in Florida. Not necessarily big as far as standings or losing streaks, win streaks, whatever, but obviously the trade over the summer uh, preempted this game. What did you think of the return for Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger to Florida? Well, first of all, those aren't ever easy. Uh, to go into, no matter what the circumstance, no matter where you are on the pecking order, a star player, uh, a role player, uh, a slug like me, uh, it, it, it definitely has that uh, that feeling uh, at times of, oh man, maybe I just want to get this over with, um, you know. But uh, I, I thought it was a good vibe. I thought it was it was good, and you know, Florida. You know, the state of Florida has been around for, for a long time, but you don't necessarily have those type of moments uh, real often. But we are talking about a special player, uh, a career leader in Florida, and, and Jonathan Huberto returning. Uh, at the end of the day, it was still a trade that I think caught him off guard. And uh, probably um, happy that it's over. But uh, like I said, a, a real good, interesting vibe, even uh, the – the warm-up turned into an event for those guys, and we saw that exchange uh, between Barkov and, and Humerdo in, in warm-up. And those those things don't happen very often, but uh, I think overall a good a good game, a good feel um, for both sides. Now, you mentioned this this would be a big moment for Huberto and for Uyghur, but we heard it from some of the other players as well. They wanted to win this one for their new teammates, their new teammates who were surprised by the deal. How can moments like this, games like this, galvanize a, an entire team together? Well, this is the part where you just you, you know the true value of these players. They're impact players. It's not like... Uh, you know, uh, a third or fourth liner coming in and 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 playing against an old team here. Uh, for for both these organizations, uh, it's gonna it's gonna revolve around these star players. Kachuk in Florida, Huberto and, and Uyghur. It's paramount that these guys find their game, they find their comfort zone, and uh, and they do what they they're paid to do. And that's. That's paramount for Calgary, and it's been a slow start for Huberto. I mean, who had Ruzichka 
and Huberto tied in points at this point in in, in the NHL yeah. season. Not me. So no. it's 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 time now that uh, you know you're you're 17, 20 games in, 22 after uh, American Thanksgiving that uh, you know people start seeing the the true playmaker that Huberto is, and how times uh, he carried uh, the Florida Panthers along with. Uh, Barkov all these years, and uh, he's going to have to do the same thing in Calgary. Is it now, Nick, a, a chance for them to sort of, and I, I'm talking about Huberto and Uyghur now, to sort of have that weight lifted off their shoulders and be a little bit freer? Because I know we've talked about it, you know, the, the emotion that goes into this, it's over yeah. now, and is it now it's a little bit looser for those guys, they can kind of let that tension go and, and just get back to playing hockey? Yeah, I, I I think so, and you know you got to be respectful of a grace period, and for some, you know it takes longer than others, and that's just an individual thing, and they're ready when they're ready to uh, to finally you know put everything behind them and move on. But uh, you know there's also the other factor here, and that is a different style of of play. You know, I found it really interesting watching uh, Hockey Night in Canada here we go on the panel with hockey with uh, you know uh, Ron and, and the panel, and he specifically mentioned uh, when Jennifer Botterill asked him a question about uh, style of play, and you know he's going from east west in Florida to a north south game, and that's Daryl Sutter, mm-hmm. and possibly he can look at that and say, hey, you know, it's not perfect for my game but I'm just I'm going to have to adjust here and I and, and I think that's a big part of the reason why we're not seeing the numbers that he's had you know uh, in Florida to start seasons and there's an adjustment there and he's working on it but uh, you know I found it interesting that uh, he, he would specifically say that uh, he's he's got to adapt to a north-south game and that's the Daryl Sutter way and he's working on it. Well, it was funny because even post game, I know someone asked Mackenzie Weger, "Hey, that's you know five four. That's Florida Panthers hockey for it." He goes, "Yeah, that was kind of what we did last year when we were with the Panthers." But he said, "I don't know how many of those games Daryl will be happy with in Calgary." And it's it's funny; it is a big change for them. And you still think there's a a change going from the east to the west, Nick? You know. Uh... Are we talking conference? Did that always, you know, was I always heard that I, was always a different style of play, right? Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, as as far as east west, I, I get east west that he uses, uh, you know, the the width of the rink and okay. Uh, Daryl's Daryl's play. I think I, I got the interpretation that Daryl wants to play hockey north south and not east west. So you know that's. The, the turnups, uh, the finding a late man in, you know, instead of getting pucks a little deeper, putting me in safe areas, you know, I mean, the, there's so many adjustments going on, and it may take a long, a lot longer than 17 games uh, for Jonathan. Uh, but, you know, we know he's a great playmaker. We know that his vision is as good as anyone's, um, you know, historically as a winger. So it may take time. But, uh, you know, he should come around soon. Uh, one thing we've talked about here a lot, Nick, is that this is just the second significant road trip for the Calgary Flames this season. In, in your experience, how important are those road trips when it comes to team building and 
and all the new pieces that we see here in Calgary really coming together. Is that still something in your mind that's important for the guys to be able to go out, have a couple team dinners and, and uh, you know, really get to know each other on a personal level? A hundred percent. But it's interesting, you know, it's uh, you, you win three out of four and yeah, we're bonding. Everything's good. <laughs> you know, you lose three and a four and it's like, I can't wait to get home, right? Let's yeah. get back home. <laughs> but no, it it is. And it's a lot different uh, than when I played 20 years ago where, uh, you know, there were no sleep doctors and there was no uh, science beside, behind every road trip. You didn't have nutritionists and... <laughs> on the road back then, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just looked at the menu and just, is there anything there that says uh, gluten-free? No, no, <laughs> no. Um, but you know, once, once you start getting a comfort zone and you're playing well, it all kind of comes together and all of a sudden those dinners are a lot more fun and you start sharing stories about things when things are going so well on the ice, you start, uh, you start sharing stories about people's personal lives, their background, how they grew up and that stuff does bring you together. And there's a level of, uh, you know, you, 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 your respect for your, your teammates actually grows the more you get to know them, you know, and, and, and their values, their beliefs, uh, their upbringing. That only, you, only, you only get a chance to really go that deep, guys, when you're on the road is when you win. Uh, because when you don't, uh, you're too busy trying to figure out what the heck we're doing wrong on the ice. So I think it's a good time right now for the Calgary Flames uh, going into Philadelphia and uh and really continuing a, a good vibe. Nick, I wanted to ask you about Jacob Markstrom. He's won three of his four last starts, but there's maybe been some blemishes on some of those victories, on some of those games, some moments that he might yeah. like to have back. But at the same time, this is a guy that I would put in the top 10, argue with people about the top five goaltender in the NHL. And I think that that's a luxury that a lot of teams don't have. And, and Sometimes fans will, will jump on a guy when he makes a couple of mistakes, but I just feel like there you, you, you kind of have to understand that guys of his caliber are far and few between, yeah. and sometimes there'll be these, these gaffes, but you have to give a guy like him opportunities to work through them. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, he's, he'd, be on, he'd be on the top ten list for me, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, prototypical kind of goalie today uh, great mobility for a big man um and he's he's been at a very high level in the past i just look at goaltending guys in general right now and the league hasn't been their friend for like 20 years <laughs> every change every move every rule change has been for the for the shooter for the <laughs> for the offense to create more uh, higher scoring games uh, like the one we saw in in Florida. And uh, it's just, it's not really set up anymore for, for knowing uh, that you can have a Vasilevsky or, or a Carey Price in his heyday anymore. I think these guys now are just going to have to kind of hope they're in the right place at the right time and they make the saves that they're supposed to make. Uh, that's what's expected now. No, no, no goaltender anymore in, in the in the way the game's played anymore. On a, on a, any given night, yeah, he can steal games, but to truly carry a team night in night out, I think those days are are over here. And yeah. uh, well, all you need is a guy like a, a Darcy Kemper, like 
go back in history on Stanley Cup champion teams and see how expendable or replaceable Stanley Cup champion goalies have been in the past. Mm -hmm. And yet uh, Colorado just didn't blink twice to let him go after winning a championship. And I think it speaks volumes to now what where the goaltending kind of picture is in the National Hockey League. Just make the saves you're supposed to make, and we'll do the rest. And I think there's a fine line there for Markstrom. I'm curious about a player's trust in a goaltender and maybe how it was even when you played it and how long that trust can last. For example, Jacob Markstrom, Vesna caliber goaltender, all last season. This year, maybe a bit of a shaky start. Do you think there are yeah. players that are still like, hey, this guy was a Vesna goal- caliber yeah. goaltender. He'll figure it out. Or yeah, yeah. exactly right. It's it, you. You don't. You, you don't bail. You yeah. don't. You don't bail on a on a guy that's done that before for you. You believe in him, uh, and it's going to take a lot longer. Yeah. For for Calgary players to lose confidence in Markstrom, he's their guy. He's been there before. He's done it, and uh, they're just waiting for for that stretch now where he looks as good as anybody in the world. And you know they're they're, they're confident there, but you know for 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 a guy like that to to all of a sudden have players kind of I, I remember a few times on the bench we'd be we'd cover our eyes with our gloves. And I just, I tell the guy beside me, just tell me when I can look. Tell me when the puck's out of our zone and I can look. That's, that's, when, you, that's when you've lost confidence in your yeah. goalie. No one's, no one's peeking through the uh, fingers of their hockey gloves on Calgary uh, anytime soon. Uh, Nick, uh, that's the story with the Flames as we're ch- chatting with Nick Kiprios here on the big show in the morning. Let's ask you a little bit about the Leafs as well as they've got points in four straight games. The only loss in those four games coming in overtime to the Devils who look like they'll just never lose yeah. another game forever. Um, but what are you seeing in the Leafs right now as it looks like uh, things are kind of rolling in the right direction? Yeah, I think they're getting points when they're supposed to get points. Uh, but I think they've got a long way to go to st- to kind of push themselves into, you know, elite status, which, you know, we, we look at, you know, this early in the season and we go, Hey, Vegas is pretty good. And just watch New Jersey. And I think the Leafs are very lucky to get a point uh, off of them in overtime and they look uh, elite. Uh, but the Leafs are, are taking points off of teams that they're supposed to take off points. Uh, but it still just doesn't seem like they're they're kind of pumping on all cylinders, and you know the, Matthews just doesn't look uh, as comfortable as he did last year carrying the team, and they're still waiting for that kind of that explosive, dominant Matthews. Uh, and it's one thing to not have the numbers, but then it's another thing to say, hey, he's kind of getting lost on a few shifts here. You know, I'm not noticing him. Uh, the other factor is that their shutdown guy Muzzin is gone. You guys know what if it, uh, you lose a Chris Tanov, uh, it changes everything, mm-hmm. and that's been a, a big hole. Uh, they brought in a, a Jordy Ben, who you know on some nights is the seventh D man on your hockey club, but on the Leafs right now he's a top four. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. They got the Islanders tonight, but uh, still a lot of work to do for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Can this team get where they want to go with their decor the way it is now, Nick? 
No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, uh, they're they're not uh, they're not mobile enough. Uh, Giordano, we've all loved him, fabulous career, uh, but they're putting him in positions of of still thinking that uh, you know he's Norris type of guy in Calgary and uh, asking a soon to be forty year old to play twenty minutes a night uh, with a foot speed. Uh, at times being an issue uh, is a big ask, but he's so smart uh, that he can most often than not, not leave himself too vulnerable, but it does catch up to him every once in a while. So they're like, a, they're probably like a dozen teams right now, guys who are looking for D, yeah. uh, but no one's giving them away anytime soon. That one's going to have to start probably mid January on where teams have identified where they are on the pecking order of competing and which players will be available. So unfortunately for Leaf fans, uh, help won't come on the blue line uh, just yet. Nick, the two division leaders out East are the Boston Bruins and the Devils. And I think in the off season, a lot of people looked at the Bruins and said, well, if they could just keep their head above water until everyone gets healthy, then they'll be okay. 16 and two to start the year. And with the devils, ah, they've made some additions and Jack Hughes is a good player. Maybe they can take a step for 15 and three top of their division. Which one of those two has surprised you more? Oh, it has to be uh, New Jersey. And you know, it's one thing to say, Hey, they got some speedy guys and Hughes. Uh, but it's another one to look at that blue line too and say, Hey, they're, they're big, they're big yep. and they're tough to get around. And I think the Leafs found that out. Uh, the other night, Dougie Hamilton's another guy that you guys know well. Um, had a couple of st- uh, pit stops. He signed a huge contract in in New Jersey, and so far it's worked out well. You know, at times we've we've seen him where you want more out of him. Like he's such a big, strong guy, and yet uh, you know, at times can look a little soft out there. But that hasn't been the case in New Jersey. I, I think. I think they're kind of rallying around him a little bit on that blue line. And we don't know where their goaltending is going to go, but uh, right now it seems to be in a position now where, you know, if they can hover just a little over 500, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be in a playoff position here. No questions about that. Mm-hmm. As far as the Bruins are concerned, uh, everybody's waiting for old guys to act old, and it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. And... The beauty of the Boston Bruins now is when you got a guy like Krejci and Bergeron still hitting high levels, and they're only making three and a half million dollars collectively. It's like, okay, so you're telling me there's a chance that they can improve this. They've got more flexibility to improve this lineup than most teams do, who are paying you know three guys you know thirty plus million dollars. So. Uh, Give credit to the Boston Bruins for putting themselves in a position now to compete for a Stanley Cup again. <laughs> yeah. It'll really piss Leaf fans off, Nick, when the Bruins go out and acquire a D-man to bolster their blue line, won't it? Yeah. Well, and now we got Chickering guys who's back in the lineup, and there'll be eight. Yeah. There'll be eight teams following him around. I, you know, I, I like him. I love his contract at four point six, and that's one that can fit. Yeah, on a few guys uh, or a few teams making adjustments. That's the key to Chickering. It's not that you love him or he's a he's he's a great shutdown guy or he can quarterback a power play, but he can come in and play 22 minutes a night 
and uh, and not not look out of place. And he can do it for under five million dollars. That's going to be a very attractive piece. Yeah, and then the problem being that Arizona knows how attractive that is when you look around the lake, the, the landscape of the uh, NHL right now, too. Um, Nick, really appreciate the time today. Uh, have a great show. We'll chat soon. Okay, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Nick. There you go. That's Nick Kiprios from Real Kipper and Born over on uh, our sister station across the country in Toronto on Sportsnet 590, the fan, uh, where they cover a whole bunch of Leafs. But, of course, Kipper played in the league and knows plenty about the league as a whole. He joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine it at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. What do we got going on the station today? We get going deep with Donovan Bennett. That goes after our program at 9 o'clock. The Jeff Merrick Show will take off at uh, 10. Then at noon, you got the Raptors Show with Will Liu. Uh, Eric Francis returns. It is a Monday after all, so it's going to be the Eric Francis show at 1 o'clock for Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta Horse Racing and Breeding Industry has a $312 million positive economic impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com. 18 plus, please play it responsibly. Don't know who's going to be on the show yet today, but almost always great guests and interviews for the Eric Francis Show. The Flames Talk uh, with Pat Steinberg will kick off at 2 o'clock. That'll be the start of the Pat Steinberg Telethon today. Today, uh, the Pat Steinberg Telethon is for people with kind of small hands. Oh, Yeah. Not like really small, but just like... Tiny hands. Kind of small. Not tiny. No? Just like kind of... Just like smaller than Below you would expect. Average? Yeah. Like Alex's hands? Yeah, I think. Oh, okay. I, mean, yeah. I mean, I got bigger. But like, for him. he's got small hands, but he's also not a big dude. No, so like a, his, his he's hand, a regular dude. Yeah, <laughs> like they're they're small his, boy. His hands make sense for how big they are. They're in proportion. We're looking for people who have like kind of small hands disproportionate to their body. You know? Mm. Yeah, like um, when they were doing those pictures that were floating around on Twitter of the basketball ladies, and they had the ball taped to her hand. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Kind of small hands. Yeah. yeah, that's who we're supporting. The Pat Steinberg oh. Telethon goes at 2 o'clock with Flames Talk. Then Flames Warrant will go at 4. Flames and Flyers at 5 o'clock. And uh, we're hoping that Peter Labardius is feeling better and can rejoin us, uh, rejoin the lads in the booth, too. Looking forward to this one. Uh, apparently, England's better at soccer than Haran. Yeah, you've been dialed on this? Well, uh, I'm world, honestly world, just because world it's, cup a, behind us? it's a car crash. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like you can't look away because it's every time England is scoring. So, well, like fellas uh, in the other room, like Wales, they're going to do much better than this, right? Against the U.S. Oh yeah, I think the, Wales will actually have a they'll have a they'll have a chance. Okay, because if it's going to be like this, then I'm not going to watch. <laughs> no, I think you're going to be all right. Wales and U.S. They're going to I think they're going to have a close game. I think that might be one of the games of the day for sure. My boys. Only three games. It's My not boys much. Um, we'll take a break around the corner. Justin Dunk. Great Cup was awarded. No, Winnipeg. No three peat for you. And we'll ask Justin why around the corner. Sports at 960 the fan.